Unbelievable things happened to me when I was three. I started out as a ladies' man and compulsive fighter. Soon I also became a warrior and then a cowboy. Then I reached my teens. I advanced to becoming hip and hippies and pot smokers, and I learned about mind expansion. American Bullet. Chapter 1. I was born on a small Pennsylvania farm. Not a business farm, not a commercial farm, but a pleasure farm. It was the businessman's model home. Five acres of lightly wooded green pastures and small hills. A three-story house with an adjacent hay barn and two-car garage. A doghouse, horse stables with horses, a swimming pool and duck pond. Of course, there was work to be done, and to do it, there was my three brothers and one manservant, Caleb. Father, who usually only worked on the farm in his spare time, was a dedicated businessman in one of the largest advertising firms in Philadelphia. My father had a strong sense of pride about his lifestyle. For obvious reasons, he was a success. Late 1940s and 1950s were a time when you could measure a man by his wealth. America wasn't that expensive a place to live and, for the most part, a man with a college degree had a chance of plugging himself into the lucrative flow of the corporate power structure. My father did, and he made plans for his four sons to follow in his footsteps, as any good father would. Start at the bottom and kiss ass your way up was my father's favorite slogan. He loved to see the power structure of the American way in motion. To get what you want, you have to work for it. That's why he hired Caleb, our multifunctional manservant, to do all the work. Caleb was the classic houseman. He did everything. Cook, clean, gardening, errands, repairs, laundry, and even babysitting. My father was considered a business genius, and Caleb was considered the business necessity. Caleb even went to work in my father's office on his days off to clean up the building. All my life, I had three parents, Mom, Dad, and Caleb. I probably saw Caleb as much or more than my father. Caleb had a unique sense of humor. He also had a unique background. He came from a poor but functional farm in North Carolina and a family of 16. Caleb always told me stories about his childhood and the many jobs that he had through the years before he came to us. I remember listening to for hours and rolling with laughter. Everybody thought Caleb was a very funny man. All my father's friends would always have a dirty joke or two to exchange to Caleb upon arrival to the house. Even some of my brother's friends would make special trips to visit him. If too much time had elapsed without contact, Caleb loved it and everybody loved him. As the years went by, the distinction between Caleb as hired help and part of the family became cloudy. My mother was often at a loss with him because Caleb took over most of the kitchen duties. He was a much better cook than my mother. There was actually a time when my mother would be beside herself with anger because Caleb usurped the traditional housewife functions. And sometimes with such speed and accuracy, my mother did not even have a chance to fail. The best example I can think of is when father said, 
Dear, please prepare a dinner for 10 for some of my associates that will be coming next Sunday. It's an important party, and I want Caleb to have extra help to ensure that it goes well. My mother would then turn to Caleb and give him the grocery list of all the extra necessities for the party. Yes, Caleb, please buy these things today and make sure that the ham is big enough for 10. Caleb would go to the store, but instead of buying ham, he would buy roast beef and wouldn't tell my mother until the day of the party. I told you to buy ham, my mother would say. I know, but it wasn't the right dish for this party. I know they'll like roast beef much better. You'll see. Sure enough, as the first guests arrived, they would come into the kitchen just to see Caleb and say, Mmm, boy, this smells like roast beef, my favorite. Caleb, you are the best cook a man could have. My mother would be lost as to what to do. Caleb had the whole house under control. It's no wonder why my mother became the artistic type. Dinner time was always a treat on Rainbow Farm. Of course, you had to finish all your food, you know? We couldn't leave anything on the plate. And boy, I had a hard time with cream spinach. Every time it was on my plate, I used to think of all sorts of excuses why I didn't have to eat it. Sometimes I get really brave and I'd scoop some when no one was looking into my napkin. And then I'd ask to be excused to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and then when I get there, I'd dump it out in the toilet. Sometimes I got away with it, but a lot of times I didn't. <laughs> I turned around one night, and there was Caleb standing and looking at me, going, what are you doing? I said, Caleb, uh, nothing. He says, you come back to the table and you finish your supper. You're not leaving until you're finished. I'd sit there till seven, eight o'clock at night. Maybe even nine o'clock at night. It seemed like I was there forever. Caleb used to even clean up the dishes and go on upstairs to watch TV and I'd still be sitting there in front of a plate full of cream spinach. Oh, I hated that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Cream spinach. Stewed tomatoes was another one. I hated stewed tomatoes. And now that I think of it, lima beans, I didn't like those either. And then there was cream corn, you know, all these things on Rainbow Farm. We had every kind of food I hated. Caleb used to make french fries, though. I loved french fries. Make them just a potato and heat up some cooking oil real hot. Throw them in, dish them out when they were done, and put them on newspaper. Not on newspaper, on a paper bag. A brown paper bag. Most of my life, I remember my mother being pleasant and patron to the arts and occasionally disciplinarian, but Caleb did most of the household duties. My father was a real let's make something of ourselves kind of guy. And the fact that Caleb did everything left few ways for my mother to prove herself. Being a loving wife was not enough for the business genius. If 
If a man was measured by his wealth, how was a woman measured? Beauty was the obvious answer, but wealth was a lot less elusive at the time and more consuming. Wealth was the backbone of most every conversation, and beauty was the expected function of the woman besides household duties. My father never showed his affection openly, at least not very physically, beyond the evening goodnight kiss or the welcoming hug. He was an active man, horseback riding and home repairs, and eventually yachting were his hobbies. That became very important. Every man has to have his outlets, and my father took his as seriously as his regular job. When I was 11 or so, my father bought his first boat, a 1936 Wheeler. I used to dread the fun cruises because the large portion of the time I spent swapping the decks or polishing the brass. The idle mind, or was it hand, is the devil's playground, was an American slogan that I remembered hating back then. You can't be afraid to work for what you want, and I don't want you to become a spoiled child. Show some respect for the dollar was the lines that my friends and I were getting from our parents. They were always afraid that we'd go wrong because they gave us so much. Concentrate on your deck swabbing. Do it well, was the voice of my father, captain of the yacht. If I did it well, I got to take the small motorboat out and have adventures. It was a fair enough trade except I never seemed to do things well enough. <laughs> my mother and father often were confused as to why I couldn't apply myself to school duties or household chores. He's just afraid of good, honest work, my father would explain to my mother. He would always stare out of the window and daydream when there was work to be done. I could do that a lot better than working at school or on the boat. I loved adventures and my father gave me the environment to make my adventures come true. My mother encouraged my imagination by being involved with my enjoyment of the places where my father took us. My father enjoyed the, the process of getting there more. He was very demanding of us to respect that. You indulge the boys too much, Marion, my father would worry. My mother would never decide if he was right and perhaps he was confused by the double standard of surrounding her sons with wealth and always being fearful that it might ruin their motivation to become self-sufficient. Like the last American bullet, I was convinced that I was, when I was five through eight years old that I was special and all that I wanted was adventures and all that I needed was adventures. I started the philosophy at a young age. For example, I swore to my parents and brothers that I had been attacked by lions when I was three. I raised a lion over my head by his tail, threw the lion into the woods. I still remember my mother and brother's faces when I told them the absolute truth. I was coming home from school when this big lion came charging at me and I swung him over my head and threw him away. They just looked at me like they felt a little sorry for me, and they wished for my sake that it was true. Unbelievable things happened to me when I was three. I attacked lions, I massacred Indians, I parachuted over the battlegrounds, I even rescued the family from being attacked by an elephant in the backyard. It was amazing to everyone that I could think of these things, and of course, they were all true. 
Fantasy was my most powerful elixir. I finally realized many years later that was the way that I escaped the anger and pain that a lot of confused kids felt as they grew up. I realized that one of the reasons that I used to say that all of these things happened to me when I was three was because that was the year that my younger brother Peter was born. It's not uncommon for a young child to be jealous of a newborn baby, and in my case, my jealousy produced wild imagination and a need for reassurance. My mother used to get nervous because I would get so carried away with my adventures that I would cut the rest of the world out. I remember in Little League playing right field and when I would spend most of the time with my mitt over my face, daydreaming and making up silly songs to sing. Snib, grab, dib, gif, goober, frag, jar, gibble. I was singing in my own language. It sounded a lot like speaking in tongues. No strib, drab, dibble, dabble, dibble. I was totally unaware of the game. The coach didn't notice me, but one day the fly ball hit me unaware right on the nose. I hated Little League. I wanted to impress my father whenever he would come to a game, but I would always strike out. We had our own little baseball field in one of the five acres on our property in Pennsylvania. All the neighborhood kids used to come and play there. A lot of the time, they wouldn't let me play in, in the game because I was a lousy player. That was okay because I had just as much fun hiding in the bushes, surrounding the field, killing all the neighborhood kids that were playing ball on my property with my imaginary bazooka and last American bullet. I loved cowboys and soldiers. I thought that army and gunfights were the ultimate adventures. I was killed in a thousand wars and I feigned my death in a million dramatic Hollywood ways. The five acres of our farm with the barn, baseball field, and horse pastures was the scene for countless wonderful childhood war games. I couldn't wait to become old enough to join the Marines or Navy. I could never decide which. I couldn't wait to feel the honor of dying or at least getting wounded for my God, country, and by the last American bullet. I don't know how I got those feelings exactly, but I was convinced that might made right. A fist fight or gun battle was something I always had to be prepared for. I'm sure the television was a lot of the influence, but eventually every proud American felt the age-old demand to serve the country, to kill the enemy, to feel stronger than anyone else. It was a part of being a patriotic man. I felt that I could be and should be better, stronger, and faster than anyone else. That was the American way, the last American bullet. I was powerful with my Woolworth Army helmet on. When The Man from UNCLE was on TV, I would never miss a show. It was one of the main reasons for existence.